Good evening. Let's have our Bibles ready. 1 Samuel chapter 1, and then we'll do some reading into chapter 2 as well. I'll give some background in just a moment, and we will open up some things from 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2. This is part of my continuing effort through the year once or twice a month to preach from the daily Bible reading schedule many of us use. Let's start at 1 Samuel chapter 1, just listen to verses 10 and 11, and then I'll offer some background. Concerning Hannah, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Let's pause there for some background. And I will warn you that some of this is disturbing. But it was Hannah's history. Hannah was one of two wives married to a man named Elkanah. Now, right there, we don't like that. And I think we are justified in our immediate distaste for polygamy. And it must be observed at this point that it was not God's original purpose. Though tolerated in the ages before Christ, Jesus spoke of marriage in terms of one man and one wife until death with only one exception. You can read that as we have many times here in Matthew chapter 19. And in that context, it is made clear Jesus spoke to restore God's original intent back at creation. But this was Hannah's situation. Long before Christ, one of two wives of Elkanah. Not an ideal situation. Many women suffered in these situations. Now, in addition to the stress of that kind of relationship, Hannah was constantly harassed and provoked by the other woman about her inability to have children, Hannah's inability up to this point to have children. Well, once again, that strikes us as immature. To be spiteful against a woman who wanted a child but had none, Hannah was a double victim. First, being in that kind of relationship, and then second, being harassed by the other woman. And I want to observe here, there are many reactions Hannah could have undertaken. But she chose the high road of prayer as her defense. I want us to begin our study of this trying to imagine Hannah's situation. Sharing a husband, which we know was not ideal, not God's original plan, 
deeply troubled because she was barren and harassed by the other woman. The evidence is, despite all these negatives one piled on the other, Hannah remained a devout believer in God to the best of her ability in that age and in that circumstance. When others might have adopted some worldly, carnal approach, when others might have just walked away from everything and rejecting God, the evidence is, despite all these negatives packed into her life, Hannah remained a devout believer in God. And that in itself commends her to us as a good example. Even before we consider her prayer. But there's more. If the negatives in your mind about Hannah have already been listed and packed up and you see her struggle, now we're going to add another dimension to that. Her praying got the attention of Eli. Eli, based on nothing but impulse, accused Hannah of being drunk. We're going to continue the reading in 1 Samuel 1, and we are now at verse 12. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord. I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. Now, at this point, once again, in your mind, as you try to capture the struggle that Hannah was in, you add everything up. She wants a child, but has none. Her husband is not really sympathetic. Her husband's other wife drives her crazy. And then Hannah prays about all this only to find Eli accusing her of being drunk. All these negatives. All these people who don't understand the desire of her heart. No wonder the Bible says she was deeply distressed. It says in verse 15, troubled in spirit, she's pouring out her soul before God. And she speaks in verse 16, or the writer tells us that she speaks of great anxiety and vexation. What I want to highlight is how she responded to all these stacked up negatives. And we're going to listen again to verses 10 and 11 in chapter 1. And then I'm going to supplement that by going over to chapter 2 and reading verses 1 through 10. And that's going to give us a more complete picture of how Hannah responded to anxiety 
and vexation. What I have called all these negatives. So we go back now to 10 and 11. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Now, let's supplement that. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We're in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. For there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken and the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness for not by might shall a man prevail." The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. This is how Hannah coped. Very eloquent words expressed in common Hebrew poetic language about her knowledge of God and her devotion to Him and her very clear images of what God was able to do. She connected with all of that in her anxiety. So I want to highlight these key elements concerning Hannah's prayer, her praying, not just one prayer, and this is about how she coped with anxiety and vexation in her circumstance. Prayer is the highest response to provocation. When one is distressed, a victim, troubled by circumstances not well understood, there are many wrong responses one could have to anxiety. As I suggested earlier, rejecting God or violence or depression 
or indifference or deceit, lashing out at people. There are many wrong responses to trouble and stress. And the devil is ready to hand us those wrong responses and make available to us all the motives and temptations that might lead us away from God when under stress or in pain. Hannah is an example of responding to stress and anxiety in the highest way available to men and women. Speak to the Creator. Pour out your heart to Him. Plead your case before the God of mercy. That's exactly what she's doing as recorded by the writer in chapter 2. And it says in the earlier text, in chapter 1, she poured out her soul to God. That's exactly the kind of discipline every one of us need to have. Even if we're not going through anxiety now, the likelihood is there will be a time of vexation of spirit. There will be a time of intense temptation or concern or worry or whatever terminology you should like to use concerning trouble in your mind and in your life. This is the discipline Christians need to formulate in their lives now. When the pressure is against us, when times are hard, when we are victims or when distressing things happen that trouble us and we do not know why, the highest response to provocation is to pour out your heart to God and accompany that praying with steadfast, renewed commitment to obedience. Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know how many times I've said this in 48 years. But if you find what is described in verse 7 to be attractive, what do you need to do? You need to do what verses 4 to 6 teach. You can't just jump into Philippians 4, 7 and claim that promise. I have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. No, to have that, you must do what Paul says you do to have it. And that's described in verses 4 through 7. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I've often recommended Philippians 4, 7, uh, 4 through 7 as a memory passage. What a great passage to memorize, but don't just memorize it. 
Let the memory provoke motivation and action. Put it into the discipline of your life to rely on God through prayer as your defense, as your response to provocation of whatever kind it may be. We learn that, I think, from Hannah. We learn that prayer does not depend on quantity of words, but sincerity of words. You will notice as you read through the Bible, the prayers recorded in the Bible range from lengthy to very brief and everything in between. There are prayers that we consider to be lengthy. There are prayers we consider to be brief, just a few words, and everything in between. What does that tell us? It tells us that prayer is never about a word count. Prayer is never about a word count. It's about a heart count. How many words we can think of to say to God is not what it's all about. It's not about word count. Nor is it about eloquence of vocabulary. It is always about content of heart. Sincerity. And faith expressed toward the throne of God through Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said something about this, you may recall, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, verses 5 to 8. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard For their many words. Gentiles, when they uttered various things to their imaginary gods, came up with phrases they would repeat over and over again. Mantras or chants. Jesus says, that's not what it's all about. It's about content of heart. When you learn to pray, you should learn from a heart that has been trained by Christ informed by Scripture and sincere in directing your love and your affection and your dependence upon God. It does not depend on quantity of words, but sincerity of words from the heart. Hannah's prayer contains a promise. This may be something that We neglect in our prayers. We're very good, I think, in our prayers about asking. Pouring out our heart to God and telling Him about our trouble. Here's another dimension of Hannah's praying that ought to get our attention. She puts into her prayer a promise. 
I believe you'll see this as you read through the Bible every day through the year in reading the prayers of the Bible. Often, when God's people prayed, they made promises to God. Notable in this would be Hannah and David. Now, we must not just make a promise that terminates at the point that we state the promise. We must do whatever follow-through is contained in that promise on our side, knowing that as we make promises to God and maintain steadfast allegiance to Him, God hears and answers according to His will and considers us to be righteous in our appeals to Him. It is appropriate for us to promise God good intentions out of our heart. Hannah, notice in verse 11, said, I will give him to the Lord about this baby. And she did. Let's notice over in the latter part of chapter 1 of 1 Samuel. At verse 21, the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. And Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you've weaned him only. May the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Her prayers included promises that she made and that she kept and that God honored. So let us, in our praying, stop and consider what promises and what intentions we are offering to the Lord and then, on our end, do the follow-through. God honors that. Hannah helps us understand that. And, I will add, the prayer, of course, was answered. We are back in 1 Samuel 1. Now we're at verses 17 to 20 to pick up this point. Eli answered, Go in peace, and the Lord of Israel grant your petition that you've made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, And the Lord remembered her. And in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Now, 
one of the richest blessings a parent can have is to pray about the life of your child and then see that prayer answered. It strengthens your love for God. It provides hope and peace. Hannah didn't just want a child. She wanted a child devoted to the Lord. Her persistence in prayer, her pouring out of her soul to God, brought to her and her son and to many others great blessings. Blessings from God she cherished. And thus, Jesus says in Luke 18 verse 1, we always ought to pray and not lose heart. We live in a corrupt society and at times we may wonder if the family will survive and what will be of our children. Pray. Well, One of our goals this year at Laurel Heights is to re-emphasize daily Bible reading. You see how rich all of this can be. I tell you, daily Bible reading puts you in touch with narratives like this on almost every page. People like this. Prayers like this. Good outcomes. In daily Bible reading, you find interest in drama and episodes about real people who spoke to God. God listening, answering. All of this is huge in the motivation and the instruction that we can receive and respond to today. But you'll have to set aside the time. You'll have to set aside the time to open that Bible and read it and pray about it. Apply it and share it. Turn everything else off. When you do it, and do it to the glory of God and for your eternal good. God's goodness and mercy awaits us from His Word.